All right. We are back. Biblos Network. We are here to talk about the things of God, the blessings of God, the favor of God, Abrahamic promise, and all things apostolic. So um, I wanted to take a little time today, and I wanted to talk about something we got quite a bit of feedback on. Um, we've had a bunch of sessions about a variety of different topics. Uh, I'm glad you're here with us today, and I'm looking forward to this session today because there's probably no topic that is more requested or um, creates as much churn as the Godhead. So we did a session on the oneness of God, more from a, um, a, a dialoguing way of looking at it rather than just breaking down each verse. Because there's a lot of places that you can go to and you can read the oneness positions on the Godhead that are very good, very informative. Uh, a lot of people have trouble deciding what does the Trinity mean? Do we believe in the Trinity? And so I made a comment in the last session that we had about God speaking to Jesus. And it is God speaking to the man Christ Jesus. And for whatever reason, people really are intrigued by that, they struggle with that, or they think it sounds Trinitarian. So I figured, you know what? Let's just dive into it. Let's talk about it. Because people need to know what they believe, and you need to grow comfortable with Bible terminology. And the Bible describes conversations between the Father and the Son, and the Son to the Father. And how does that work? Because a Trinitarian mindset says that a pre-existent Son had a conversation with an eternal Father, and they're two eternal persons, and uh, there's a third eternal person, that's the Holy Ghost, and it is the Holy Trinity, and they, they work together in collaboration. We're going to point out that that's not a scriptural view at all, so what is the scriptural view? And we're going to take a little time just to, to go over some of those things because it is fascinating, the interplay with it. And, and people today want to know they need to be conversant with these Bible themes. So conversations between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father. What do they mean? How did they happen? And, and how does it all work? So a few observations that I'll make, first of all, is that whenever you look at the Bible, instead of looking at a, at a paradigm, a paradigm, just a big fancy way of, of saying, a way of looking at things, it's your worldview. Well, because of the Dark Ages and because of uh, Catholic dominance uh, for thousands of years, they superimposed this idea that there's three persons in God. And, and so people now, when they read the Bible, they have that paradigm in mind, and they need to get rid of that paradigm, and they need to look at it through the lens of one God. Every verse that we read points to one God, the oneness of God is what we refer to it as. It is the greatest commandment in the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 32, and it's in Matthew chapter 22, that the greatest commandment is hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So you can see the other oneness of God session where we dealt with that. But I'm specifically dealing with conversations between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father today. 
Um, the second thing that you need to know is most people, when they think of God, actually think of him as one. It's only when you get up into academia and you get up into apologists and, and what I like to call pointy-headed intellectuals that you, you start to get into these nuanced, hair-splitting dynamics, and they insist that there's three different people, three different persons. And that is very dangerous because it, gets, it le- lends itself to and it leans towards tritheism. And the Bible is adamant that there's only one God. So how did that happen? Well, it's not a trinity of persons. It is not two gods or two persons in the Godhead talking to to each other. So how could Jesus talk to God? And here's one that stumps people more. How could God talk to Jesus at the beginning of time? So I made a statement, and this is the statement that got people's attention, that God spoke to the man Christ Jesus outside of time. Now, I'm going to dissect that because God did speak to Jesus. He spoke to the man, Christ Jesus. Now, that's not another person in the Godhead next to him, talking to him. God speaks, and to him it is all instantaneous. There's no such thing as time. So you can't say, well, Jesus wasn't there yet. Well, to God, he fills all time. He's in the past, present, and future. He is in all things. And... This is the kind of a logic that the Jews wrestled with. Um, Jesus made the statement to them that Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he was glad. And the Jews said, you're not even, I think he said 40 years old. You're not even 40 years old yet, and, and how do you know Abraham? And Jesus made the statement, before Abraham was, I am Okay, what a powerful statement. That, that doesn't make sense to our, our chronological, chronos-oriented minds. Before Abraham was, because Abraham had died, he had passed away, so it was was, it was past tense. Jesus said, I am. Well, how could Jesus speak of himself in the present tense and speak of Abraham in the past tense? And the reason he could do that is because God is eternal. He is not bound by the law of physics. He is not bound by time. And God can speak at the beginning, the middle, or the end of time because he stands above time. So there's no such thing as, well, back then with God or or up there with God. He's already there. It's already in play. And it's all to God as if it's one moment. He lives in the eternal moment. He lives in eternity. And we see this in the Bible. You'll find conversations here. I'll, I'll deal with the easier ones first, the ones that most people ask. Um, how could Jesus talk to God? People say, well, look, see, there's two people in the Godhead. There's two persons talking. There's Jesus in the garden, and he's saying, let this cup pass from me, if it's possible. Let this cup pass from me. But, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, Trinitarians want to say that that is the second person in the Godhead talking to the first person in the Godhead. And they had a little bit of a conflict there because the second person didn't want to do it. But if this is the Trinity, then there's a big, 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 big problem because number one, gods don't pray. And they don't by nature need to pray. And if they are co-equal and co-eternal and co-essential, then the second will would be a mirror of the first will. So you can't say, well, my, my bad, made a mistake. Oh, I guess you're right, God number one, person number one. Ah, 
I guess I got to go through with this cross business. <laughs> That's not what happened there. The man Christ Jesus had a human spirit and he had a human body and he had a human soul. That's a big deal. You need to understand the authentic humanity of Jesus. And whenever you see what looks like a difference between the Father and the Son, don't think of it as two persons in the Trinity. Think of it as the Spirit of God and the authentic human Jesus, or what some people would say, the Spirit and the flesh. Um, Jesus had a real spirit, and it was a human spirit that could have a separate will and a separate way of of living a human life. If he didn't, some people want to say that it was just God in a body, kind of like a puppet, like a, like a puppet, like a hand inside of a puppet. And whenever Jesus spoke, it wasn't a human speaking. It was God speaking through kind of a puppet, so to speak. And that's not true because if Jesus is not an authentic human, then he is not an adequate substitute for me or for you. If he's going to die for my sins, if he's going to die for your sins, he has to be a real human. He can't be a fake human, a pseudo-human, an almost human, a demi-god, none of that. He has to be 100% human, 100% divine at the same time. And there's never been anyone like Jesus, so we can't compare him to me or to you or to anyone else. He said, "Whom will, to whom will you make me equal? To whom will you liken me? Isaiah, he says this. So you can't liken him to anybody. He's not... There's no one equal to him. So there's never been anybody like Jesus, and he is an authentic human at the same time he is authentically God. And the Spirit of God dwelled in him, and a human spirit dwelled in him at the same time. I'll say, how, well, how can you know that? Well, when Jesus is on the cross, he says, into thy hands I commend my spirit. So his human spirit, he was giving his life. He was giving his essence to the Spirit. And an easy way of seeing that, and this is not a perfect example because we are not like Jesus. He is the only begotten Son of God. There's only been one like unto him, and he is, he is the greatest. Uh, he is the pinnacle of all creation and all, all, all of God's creative work. The man Christ Jesus, the Logos, the Word made flesh, God in flesh. But uh, a way to kind of see it is when... I received the Holy Ghost. I received God's Spirit into me. And I have a human spirit. That human spirit, there is a distinction between my human spirit and God. And that Spirit of God can be in me, and it can be in you, and it can be in a million other people, but that's not a million gods or multiple gods. That's one God inside of many different human spirits and alongside many human spirits. So in a, in a similar way, that spirit was inside of Jesus Christ, who had his own human spirit. Now, there's a big difference. We got it by adoption. We got it by faith and by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. His birth and his receiving of the Spirit was from birth, and he was God from the very beginning. Um, and it's woven together in a way that it never could be with us by, who have, have it by adoption and by faith. But yet, you get the point. You can see the difference between my spirit and the Spirit of God in me, the one God in me and you. So Jesus prays, and when he prays, he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, that's not the second person in the Trinity calling out to the first person in the Trinity saying, help me, I need help. There, this is too much. I, I made a mistake. 
let's let's hit pause and let's change all this. And I, I didn't know what I was getting into. Help me out here. You know, that's not a second God or a second person in the Godhead calling out for help. That is the man Christ Jesus who would cry out like any man, like you would cry out, like I would cry out. So anytime you see a difference between the two, it's not two gods or two persons in the Godhead. It is the Spirit of God and the man Christ Jesus. So it is one God who is working with the man Christ Jesus. And he was a real man. He was born of a woman, born of flesh. His temptation was real. He had a spirit like you have a spirit. He had a soul like you have a soul. He had a body like you have a body. And that's the difference there. That man cried out to God and prayed, just like you pray, just like I pray. And so that's how Jesus can talk to the Father. The the Son can talk to the Father. The word Son is a reference to the incarnation. It's how God describes the incarnation to us. Um, now, if you, there are people who try to say there is an eternal son, and that's not true. The Bible never says that. It never says there's an, a preexistent son. Before Jesus was born, there was no son. He was called the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So before that, he's known as the Word of God. Um, and then later on, after his incarnation, he is born, and he wasn't born from eternity. There's a lot of people want to say that he is a preexistent son. He's eternally begotten. Well, that opens up a whole other can of worms because then that means you've got to have a second divine birth somewhere and a second divine mother somewhere, and that doesn't make any sense. And the word son itself points to a time of conception and a time of birth. Eternal son is actually an oxymoron. There's no such thing as an eternal son. It can't be. Um, it's like a jumbo shrimp. <laughs> it can't be. So, we know that Jesus was called the Son when he came into the earth because the Bible says, this day have I begotten thee. So he was not eternally begotten. He was not, you know, begotten uh, in some mysterious sense from the beginning. To To the mind of God, he knew it from the very beginning. In the very same way that the Bible says Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Well, how could that be? Is there a second crucifixion? at the beginning of time, and then some cosmic super, uh, supernatural crucifixion, and then an actual crucifixion at Calvary. Some people feel that way. That's not it. To God, it's all as if it happened at one time, and he knew that Jesus would be slain, and it was from the foundation of the world. And to God, it's done. Well, it's the same way with the Son. To God, it was done. And so when Jesus cries out on the cross, my God, my God, in the garden when he says, let this cup pass from me, it's not two persons in the Godhead having a conversation. It is the man Christ Jesus speaking to the Spirit of God that fills all things and was in inside of him as well. Um, now, this is where people struggle a little bit more. And this is what I referenced last week. It's Genesis 1.26 where, where God says, let us make man in our image. And there's a lot of people who put forth a lot of different ideas. The first one is that people come up with is it's a trinity and and God the Son and and apparently God the Holy Ghost and God the Father all got together and they made Adam. And I heard one old preacher say, if that's true, why didn't he have three heads? <laughs> why didn't he have, you know, some kind of a triclops? And that's not what it was. The Bible says, and God made man in his image. So the, the pronouns go back to plural. And there's only one 
man standing there, which is a strong emphasis on oneness. Um, so we discard that idea. Then there's this idea that um, maybe he was talking to the angels, the Jews, the Jews, a lot of Jews believe that. Um, but then the point there is, you know, the Bible never says that he used angels in the creative work. It never says that angels came and helped him out. It never says he delegated. It says that God did this. God said, and God formed man. So, you know, that, that one, people try to put that forth. And then some people, they talk about the divine plurality, that God could speak to himself in the plural. Some people say that maybe God was saying, let us, in the same way a man would say, let's see here, let us. They, they say that. My personal opinion is that God was speaking to the man Christ Jesus outside of time. And this happens in the Bible. Um, it's, it's, you might say that God was speaking prophetically before Jesus got there. And so here, let's go to the Bible. Um, let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter 2. And we'll read a verse that shows this vividly. Um, this is the coronation psalm. They would, they would quote this psalm when they would anoint the kings of Israel. They would, they would anoint them with oil, and then they would, they would sing this psalm as they did it, Psalms 2 and 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. And that word anointed there is Mashiach, or, or the Messiah, the anointed one. And there were many Messiahs in the Old Testament, but there's only one, Ha Mosheah, which is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed of all time. And so this is a picture of the Father and the Son working in collaboration, the man Christ Jesus and the Spirit of God working. That's the Lord and his anointed. In the Old Testament, David was a Messiah, and Jesus Christ would come from the family of David and the seed of David, and he was the anointed. Um, so they will mock God. God will, God will mock them. Um, and here's verse seven is where it gets interesting. The whole thing's interesting, but you know what I mean. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Jesus. Well, how can he do that? It's Psalms. Jesus isn't born yet because God could speak prophetically. God could speak to the man Christ Jesus before he was ever born. And the Psalms wrote it. The psalmist wrote it of him. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. He's talking to Jesus. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Who? The anointed, the son. So when you get to the, the New Testament, these scriptures are referring to Jesus, that God, the spirit, is speaking to the man, Christ Jesus, before he's born. Another place, he said, um, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. He says that in Psalms as well. Uh, 100, 110, something like that. And well, how can he say that? And Jesus even quoted that. He, he told the, the Sanhedrin that day uh, when he was speaking to them, he said, if David um, 
calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And they couldn't answer him. They didn't know the answer to that. Well, the answer is he's the father and the son at the same time. And, and God speaking through him could say, thou art my son and sit thou at my right hand until thine enemies. I make thine enemies thy footstool. So God did all of that before the man Christ Jesus was born. So this has nothing to do with a second person in the God. It is, it is not Trinitarian language. This is Bible language. And people need to know this. If they don't know this, then they can't, they can't describe to their friends about these conversations. They can't talk to their friends about what it means or, or how it works. It is God speaking outside of time. And if that confuses you, um, just think of Jesus saying, before Abraham was, I am. How does that work? Well, we're trapped in time. God is not trapped in time. And so Jesus, the man, could be right there with him. But as God, the Father, who fills all things, he was in eternity and could be at the time of Abraham at that exact moment. I don't know if that means time travel is possible or time is relative, but (laughs) what it does mean is God is not bound by the same rules we are, ladies and gentlemen. So we don't say that God was. We say God is. And he is the I am at all times. So when he said, let us make man in our image, the reason I say that, I believe he was talking to the man Christ Jesus, is because the Bible says of Jesus that he is before all things. Jesus. It's in the book of Colossians um, and John chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1. He is before all things. And by him, all things consist. That means he was before Adam as the Logos. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. All things? What's all things? All things means all things. It means Adam. It means Eve. It means you. It means me. It means water. It means bread. It means animals. It means all of creation. He is before all things. All things were made by him, the word. So my contention, my strong contention is that all of creation is built with the express purpose of Jesus Christ in mind. And what that means, ladies and gentlemen, is not that Jesus was made in Adam's image. It means that Adam was made in Jesus' image. Let us make man in our image. Jesus as the Father He was speaking with the divine foreknowledge of of Jesus Christ coming, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and all of creation declared his glory. That's what I mean. Not two gods, not two persons, persons, one God who knew that the man Christ Jesus was coming and spoke to him before he got here in time. That's a mind bender, but that's what it's like when you're dealing with eternity. So I'm going to wrap this up. And um, let me say it this way. You can't make anything equal to God. He said, to whom will you make me equal? Colossians 1 says that he is the firstborn of all creation. And it also says he's the first begotten from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. So Jesus Christ comes first in all things. He is Alpha and he is Omega. Um, and so it's wrong to say that when you're trying to describe something, you know, God's a little bit like water. 
You've heard somebody do that when they're trying to describe the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They'll say, it's like water or it's like steam or ice. Three different forms of the same stuff. It's all H2O. Yeah, it falls short. The analogy falls short, but I get what they're trying to say. And it kind of conveys the idea. But if you really want to get down to it, God's not like water. Water's like God. And God's not like bread. Bread's like God. I believe that all creation declares God's glory. So what that means is I think that every time you take a drink of water and it quenches your thirst, that's like God. God was giving you a little Bible study on what the Holy Ghost would be like. And, and what water does for your physical thirst, God does for your spiritual thirst. Praise God. That's why he could look at the woman at the well and he said, the water that I shall give you, you shall never thirst again. And so she thought he was talking about physical water. He was talking about the Holy Ghost, which is the true water. Hmm. And so water's not like God or God's not like water. Water's like God. And every time you take a drink, it's a little miniature Bible study. This is what it feels like when you get the Holy Ghost. This is what happens when the dry place is quenched. This is what happens when the thirsty are satisfied. Praise God. I feel my preach coming on right now. <laughs> so anyway, this is what the conversations between the Father and the Son are all about, and the Son and the Father, and all things are made in the image of God, and that's my feelings on it. So I hope it helps. I hope it's a blessing to you. Um, bring your comments. Bring your uh, suggestions. We love to hear from you, and um, we look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.